Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. We're talking all things gravel for our new seven-part podcast series here on Bike Radar, hosted by yours truly, Catherine Moore. From getting kitted out with the best gear for you to route planning, dipping your toes into gravel racing and simply why we love hitting the path less travelled, we've got a mega panel of special guests and in-house experts lined up for you. It's got to be the most commonly asked question since the dawn of gravel bikes as we now know them. Isn't gravel riding just mountain biking from the 90s? Well, maybe yes, but also maybe no. In order to tackle this ever-present question, I'm joined by two of our in-house experts who were shredding early mountain bikes in the 90s while I was busy graduating from stabilizers. Robin Weaver, our tech head-in-chief, has been riding mountain bikes since year dot and started racing in 1993, but also isn't a stranger to drop bars, whether that's a road bike or more latterly gravel bikes. Meanwhile, Warren Rossiter, aka Was, has an encyclopedic knowledge of modern gravel bikes, having tested nearly all of them, but rode and raced downhill bikes throughout the 90s. Welcome both. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, why do you think that people keep coming back to this argument that gravel has just reinvented mountain biking from the 90s? What are the similarities? Well, I'd say if you, if you leave, leave aside things like racing for the time being and just talk about kind of what the the, the pure essence of gravel bike riding for most people is that it's just getting out and getting out in the wilds and and there's almost an element of exploration about it and i'm uh, i'm pretty sure it's the same for rob as well you know what what kind of defined my kind of early mountain biking was was like sort of long weekend adventures away with my mates um os map shoved in your back pocket or in your you know in your bum bag um, which they've come back as well. Oh yeah, and, um, <laughs> and, and literally, you know, going, you know, you know, for me being from the Midlands, it, for me it was uh, it was heading to the Peak District or the Lake District most weekends throughout the summer, uh, and just going and exploring and getting out in the wilds on on a bike. And I think mountain biking has got so far away from that now 
mainly because of the tech involved and and the explosion of dedicated trail centers so you know when when we're sort of time poor you're almost guaranteed good riding it, it, when you you know you go to those places where where i think you know and, and gravel's occupied that space because as we all know you know gravel rides can be anything from epic to also carrying your bike over fences for most of the day or, <laughs> or you know bit of bog trotting bog trotting yeah. hiking with your bike and that sort of thing I, I, but i think you know there's there's definitely something um it, there's definitely something a bit more pure about it i think so for you it's it's the essence of it rather than like the tech itself or purely yeah. the riding yeah i think it's all it's all about that that ride experience it's all it's all about getting out and exploring and you know um um and almost getting something that's so completely away from 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 racing and competition it's something else you know it's it's uh you know maybe as you referred to in in the introduction maybe it's uh maybe it's our age <laughs> <laughs> how about you robin would you tend to agree with that or do you think it's a bit more nuanced i think you know i totally agree with what was said i think uh that said you know there's so many parallels you can draw with the equipment you know when i started out i started racing on a fully rigid mountain bike which had god the tires must have been i think they were 1.95 yeah 1.95 whatever that is in millimeters i can't i couldn't tell you off the top of my head but pretty skinny by you know modern mountain bike standards uh and then i progressed to uh, a suspension fork which i think had i want to say maybe 60 mil of travel maybe not even that um and that's the bike I raced downhill on. You know, that was the bike I started out. You know, when when we started, you had one bike and, you know, you'd maybe take off your saddlebag, drop your saddle, and, and that was your downhill bike. You'd race cross-country on the one day or you could go race it on downhill. And and as things started to specialise, we'd, you know, go all out and do things like, you know, put one single chain ring on and a chain guide. Um, but, you know, we didn't have clutch max and, and, you know, luxuries like that back then that we even, you know, that we use on gravel bikes. So, yeah, you know, there, there's similarities in the sense that, you know, the bikes compared to modern mountain bikes are more basic in some ways. So less suspension or no suspension at all, um, skinnier tyres. Arguably the bars were probably about the same width. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, but, yeah, like you said in the intro, in fact, there's there's a lot of similarities, but they you know they differ at the same time. Yeah, and there's there's with the evolution of sort of gravel as a category as well. We're now seeing lots more things like suspension. That I know you've both been trying out, and um, I mean that's almost yeah. blurring the lines even yeah. more, isn't it? I mean it? that's that's sort of case in point. I mean you know when I when I look at you know um, one of my gravel bikes, I've got a Cannondale slate, and I basically that's basically a six fifty b aluminium hardtail with a with a short travel suspension fork and after i initially tested that before i before i ended up you know acquiring it as it were it just felt so familiar i was riding it and going i don't know why this bike feels so familiar and and it was only when i sort of had a look at the geometry and aside from the difference in wheel size 650b as opposed to 26 the geometry was so close to like my 1992 gt zaskar which i ended up running a rockshox mag 30 fork on it which was a 32 millimeter travel fork. Wow. I spent a, I spent a whole t- I spent a whole term grant on buying that fork. That's when you used to get grants. Um, you know, and then lived on uh, lived on um Audi pasta for for about 3 months. Was it worth it though? No, I hated it. 
<laughs> did like two races on it and I took it off and sold it. Sold it with a massive loss. Went back to fully rigid. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. But as I say, the, you know, the slate just felt so similar. And um, it kind of reminds you, um, I think there's something, I wouldn't say it's, it's not masochistic, but it's the, there's definitely something in riding a bike that's way beyond its comfort zone. Mm. You know, there's lots of, there's lots of trails um, and old race courses in, in my sort of local area that I did race on way back. Um, and now on a, mo- I've, I've, you know, I haven't ridden a huge amount of modern mountain bikes because I'm not really involved in that anymore. And I'd love to get one, but I don't know what to buy. There's too much choice. But every time I've ridden one on those old courses, um, I've just been amazed at how easy it felt because the bikes are so technically capable mm. and you don't get that sort of, you know, heart in your mouth you know, panic stations kind of thing. But when I ride those old, and some of these are like old, you know, long defunct kind of national point series downhill courses that that are just, you know, long forgotten. And I'm riding those on gravel bikes now yeah. and loving it because you're getting that self, you know, that um, that same sense of terror that you used to have back, you know, back when you were. And so I think, it's, you know, there's definitely something in that. I think the technical advancements in mountain biking are out of this world, you know, and I think, I don't know what the factors are for that. And also the, the quality of riding has gone gone through the roof. Because I think, you know, as 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 Rob will know, when we were looking at um, those sort of heroic riders back in the 90s, you know, you're talking like your Tomax and et cetera, you didn't know how they rode. You saw still photographs of them. And they looked fast and they looked like they were going well. So you just didn't know, you know, you couldn't ape them. You couldn't copy them unless you actually got to see them in the flesh, which is very, very rare. Or you got a, you know, fifth generation VHS copy of, of mammoth mountain or something and um um uh, but with the advent of you know stuff like youtube and edits and that sort of stuff the progression and how much better riders are today than they were then because they're seeing it and they can you know they can see how people are riding across how they're attacking things it's just it, it's elevated it's so far beyond to the and the you know the trail centers are keeping up with that rapid advancement in rider skill sets so um, you know, leaving leaving people like me way, way behind. It's fascinating. I had a first-hand experience of something like that last summer when we went up to McUncleth, if I've said that right, in North Wales or mid-North Wales. And we were up there for Grindjuro Wales. And Grindjuro, which is a enduro gravel event, and it's quite no- well known for being quite spicy. They put in some um, rather technical sections. But for the hangover ride the next day, I was looking at route options that we could sort of do a more social, chilled ride on. And I noticed that there's all these loops out of the town, Mac 1, Mac 2, Mac 3, Mac 4. And they were mountain biking loops that were created. Don't quote me on this. I can't remember if it was the 90s or maybe even before in the 80s. As sort of general mountain biking, it didn't wasn't categorised as such back then. I guess now you'd probably call it an XC loop. But on gravel bikes, it was brilliant. It was literally the perfect terrain gorgeous sort of like bridleways, stony wide tracks, the most amazing balcony road, dropping back down into the town. I thought, okay, so 
maybe our perception of what is mountain biking has completely shifted yeah. from what it used to be. And the bikes were so bad. Everyone seems to sort of look back with rose-tinted glasses, I think. Where, you know, I, I touched on it earlier, but I remember constantly having to put my chain back on. Always. Having, I used to have to put my bike, I had to persuade my mum to let me keep my bike in the kitchen in the winter to let the elastomers soften up in the forks <laughs> so that my forks would actually move. Whereas you think about, wow. you know, if you do run a, a fork now on a gravel bike, that that isn't a consideration. You know, you've got to be pretty sensitive uh, when it comes to um, how the temperature might change, you know, what your fork's doing or your tyre pressures or something like that. But, I mean, those bikes were, yeah, we learned a lot. I think the engineers learned a hell of a lot from those bikes and, and have made gravel bikes 10 times better. So, yeah, there's definitely similarities, but equally now, I think anything we do on a gravel bike arguably yet like was said it's still terrifying in certain situations but um it's terrifying knowing that your chain's probably going to stay on and um your suspension fork if you have one will probably work and we also have working disc brakes which was a rarity back then you know yeah. um the amount of times that's a big one isn't it oh do you know I, i'm pretty sure there was one cross-country race when i was a kid you know you always want to please your parents and never give up and all that. I'm pretty sure I dragged around, I dragged around my old rigid bike where the tires had completely, you know, everything was totally jammed up with cut grass and we were doing laps of like a farmer's field or something. It was clay wedged in between the old cantilever brakes and the wheels wouldn't turn around and my drivetrain was completely screwed. And I pretty much just dragged my bike around for about two hours. So I, I guess there's similarities in some gravel rides if they go wrong yeah. but that sounds a bit like a very long cyclocross race well it, it the thing is i guess it was like that would happen probably more frequently than it would now and i think i blocked a lot of that out of my head and by happy coincidence i i met up with a really a, a good friend of mine on saturday just gone and him and i grew up together we started racing together um on mountain bikes he then went across, uh, you know, he lives in London. He, he sort of moved over and, and for convenience sake rides road uh, and then got into gravel. And he was back visiting his parents at the weekend. So I, I went up and met him and um, we rode pretty much some of the old trails that, you know, we that's what we did every weekend, rain or shine. And we did it on gravel bikes. And I would say we probably had an easier time, not necessarily better wow. time, but we had... <laughs> You know, because it was ace back there and it was such an adventure because our parents were like, well, you know, you're going to, you know what you're doing. You're in a group. You're going to be fine. We used to just disappear off for, you know, an entire day out into the, not really the wilderness, but, you know, yeah. as wild as Gloucestershire gets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, we probably did it 10 times faster at the weekend. Probably not any fitter. And um, yeah, everything you're riding, you're like, yeah, it is bumpy. It probably was bumpy back then as well. But I can stop. That's a that's a pretty big advantage, I would say. Not just careering off as soon as you know when you can't quite see what's up around the next corner or how tight it maybe gets, and yeah, miss the rut. Oh, yeah, I can't actually slow down anyway. And you know, you've got uh, God. What even back then, the biker would have ridden on cross country for like cross country must have weighed like thirty pounds compared to the gravel bike, which yeah, it's probably like, I don't know, maybe 20 pounds. So 
is still significantly lighter. I had a great time. Still out of control in places, but I had a great time. It's got to be a little bit sketchy to be fun, isn't it? Totally. And you can you <laughs> carry so much more speed. You got, you know, bigger wheels. Everything was on, you know, twenty six back then. We're on seven hundreds now with these. Or, or you know, if you even if you ride an XC bike, uh, an XC mountain bike, you're on a twenty nine er. So you just carry that bit more speed, that bit more rollover. It's a bit easier. So there's definitely similarities, but I reckon we've got it a lot better now. Yeah. From what you've both said, it feels like the sort of essence of it, the ethos, hasn't really changed. While mountain biking has sort of diverged off into this more technical sphere and, you know, the riding has progressed massively, the racing element has, gravel has sort of just backfilled what was left. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think there are probably, you know, I think because we're so involved in, in our kind of respective cycling genres, you can sometimes forget that for most people, um, mountain biking probably hasn't changed from then. It's still about getting out and seeing a bit of the countryside and all that sort of stuff. And actually, I think now the gravel bike is the better option. It's it's lighter, you know. It's better on the the road sections between. I think the the mountain bike has become such a specialist tool and all the better for it that that it's so highly focused. And I think that, yeah, I think there is an element where the whole kind of gravel thing has backfilled that that sort of area, but it's also generated bikes that are just as practical as, uh, as bad as some of those early mountain bikes were. They were still, a lot of them were still, you know, pretty practical. You know, if you look back at some of those like early, you know, like serious race bikes, you're thinking like early stump jumpers that, you know, legends like Ned Everton were riding. If you look at those bikes, they still had rack mounts. Brilliant. And, you know, they were yeah. still, they, you know, <laughs> they were practical bikes as well as being, you know. And so I think there's, you know, I think I think gravel is occupying that space, but gravel is diverging now. And, you know, now that the racing's become such a big element and the bikes are changing to represent that, I just hope that it can maintain that, just getting outdoors and enjoying yourself rather than, um, rather than they're becoming too focused on competition because I think that can be, as detrimental as it can be uh, uh, a driver for tech, as it were. What about your thoughts on there's like sort of a new wave of gravel bikes with flat bars? Is that sort of blurring the lines a little bit? Do you see there being a great advantage there? Uh, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've ridden a couple and you do kind of think, oh, it's, you know, it's a bit like a mountain bike, <laughs> but, but lighter. So, I, I, you know, I think it basically just comes down to personal choice, really. You know, I mean, I, you know, I can remember, the, you know, back back in my early days on CP, going to going to lots of the old school cross races then, and half the field were on cross bikes with flat bars. You know, um, and this is when flat bars were like cut down to like seventeen inches wide, you know, ridiculously narrow. Um, <laughs> but there were, you know, a big portion of the field would be, you know, obviously these weren't, you know, league, you know, sort of league standard races. There were more just local events, but but you did see a lot, and I think. You know, I think um, I think we can all be a bit too tribal, yeah. and I think it's just like if you if you want to ride a gravel bike with flat bars, go for it. You know, I quite like to see people just sort of doing doing their own thing, having you know whatever they want. I mean, I think if I was going to have a gravel bike with flat bars, I'd probably try and saw some bar ends. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, a few it's more that. hand positions, yeah. a bit more comfy. Very old. Yeah, school. I've definitely. Uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> 
I think it's great that, you know, people have the choice because I think a lot of people are coming into gravel as their sort of first entry into cycling um, Mm. because it's a sort of new discipline that's actually seemed to be quite sexy at the moment and has a lot of appeal for people. And, you know, not everybody is confident or even wants to ride drop bars. So it can be really good from that sense. I know a lot of people like Ribble offer some of their gravel bikes in like both drop bar or straight bar configuration. I had the joy of riding the Marin DSX, which is their little sort of aluminium uh, flat bar gravel bike. And it was loads of fun. Not not really uh, the bike for me, I guess. It was almost a bit too in between what I do with the mountain bike and the gravel bike. But I could certainly see the space for it. So, yeah, I just thought that was quite an interesting one because, like, whenever you post a picture of a flat bar gravel bike, <laughs> it's like all the comments just like, <laughs> it's just a mountain bike. But, yeah, I think we've concluded today that, like, although mountain bikes and gravel bikes in the modern era are completely different, there's more than space for both. And exactly. as you say, it all just comes down to the love of getting outside and exploring, seeing the greenery in the countryside. Yeah. yeah. It's just buying, it's, it's literally just, you know, making sure you, you buy the right tool for the job. It's, it's that simple. You know, if you're going to, you know, if you're, if you're riding is going sort of getting out in the great outdoors, but you're doing plenty of time back in between, grab a bike. But, you know, if you're predominantly going to be just riding off road, you know, um, maybe a, a lightweight hardtail might be the might be the better way to go. You know, it's like I I think it's just end of the day we're just all riding bikes and getting outside, and that's that's the oh, that's man. the crux of it. Yeah, <laughs> great. <laughs> Wicked. Well, thank you both very much for taking your time out and uh, having a little nostalgia trip down memory lane there. Do remember to subscribe to the Bike Radar podcast if you haven't already and leave us a review if you can. It really does help us out. Join us next time when we'll be chatting all things gravel racing and see you then. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 